Focus on Headline. Now we've got some major issues to delve in through. We're going to look at them more in depth. Once again, we're here with our reporters Chang Hana and Hong Seunyeon. Hello, everyone. Hi, Hello, good, good evening. evening. Good evening. All right, so President Yoon attended a dinner hosted by the BIE delegation on Thursday, local time that is, as part of his visit to Paris, France. Now, Hannah, start us off with more about the president's visit. Sure. Now, President Yoon, who traveled to Paris from his state visit to the United Kingdom earlier in the day, will meet with representatives of BIE member countries until the 25th to make a final bid for the 2030 Busan World Expo. Now, the dinner held at a hotel in Paris Paris was attended by diplomats and BIE representatives from around the world. Now, on our side of the table were business leaders such as Samsung Electronics Chairman Lee Jae-yong, Hyundai Motor Group Chairman Chong Yi-seon, LG Group Chairman Koo Gang-mo, and Lotte Group Chairman Shin Dong-bin, who accompanied President Yoon on his economic mission, as well as government officials and representatives from the French Embassy and UNESCO. Now, speaking at the dinner, President Yoon said, Korea wants to make a responsible contribution to the the international community by hosting the expo, emphasizing that it will provide a platform for solidarity to share what we have and will be a cultural expo where all participating countries will showcase their unique cultures and traditions. Now, he also added that the Busan Expo will be an opportunity to help connect future generations and young people who take on new challenges and seek opportunities. And according to Yoon, through the Busan Initiative, Korea will share its development experience experience with the international community and take the lead in solving challenges facing humanity, such as the climate crisis and the global south. Now, he told BIE uh, delegates that Korea looks forward to seeing them again at the 2030 Busan Expo, where Korea will provide the largest support package ever. And attendees said it was impressive to see the government and the private sector uh, working together as a team to attract the expo. At the end of the Kala dinner, uh, Yoon went from table to table asking for support and posing for photos and, uh, with representatives from each country. Now, the 2030 Expo host will be decided by an anonymous vote of the BIE's 182 member countries at the BIE General Assembly on the 28th of November. And Busan is competing with Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and Rome, Italy. Now, the presidential office said until the 28th General Assembly, all actors, including the government and the private sector, will make in concerted effort to bid under the banner of One Team Korea. Right. So this really was our last chance to really promote Busan for the 2030 World Expo. And I remember SJ saying Korea has a higher chance of uh, winning the bid because (laughs) Riyadh, uh, Saudi Arabia, they're supposed to be holding the 2034 World Cup. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So because they're to be holding, if they were to win the bid, they'll be holding these big international events you know, in a series. Mm -hmm. So this raises the chance for Busan and Mm -hmm, South Korea mm -hmm. winning the bid, but we'll have to see. Of course. I still believe uh, the chances are quite low, but we'll (laughs) see. I really hope, though, Mm -hmm. uh, Busan can win the bid. Now, President Yoon Seo-gyar's all-out effort to host the World Expo 2030 in Busan comes to an end in Paris next Tuesday. Uh, So this was a journey that started with his inauguration with the campaign at the core of his diplomatic agenda. And you have more on this, Sigyan. Sure. So President Yoon 
Tagar met with 105 key figures from 91 countries during 12 overseas trips. And for him, it is an opportunity for South Korea to become a true leader in the global community while giving Busan an opportunity to develop further a big win both domestically and internationally. In fact, it only took 20 days from his inauguration to kick things off as he chaired the first committee meeting on the bid. Then things really started to pick up pace as he went on overseas trips. Now, NATO in June 2022 was his first foreign multilateral trip where he promoted Busan during his 10 sideline summits. And as he continued to push for Busan during overseas trips, a chance came to bring the focus back home as officials from the BIE visited Korea to assess Busan. And President Yoon welcomed the representatives and emphasized the unity of South Korean people behind Busan's bid. But the true highlight was his trip to New York for the UN General Assembly in September. So in a span of five days, he had 41 sideline uh, bilateral summits with the other leaders in town. And all this as he made the UN address urging the closing of division of the world, saying the Busan Expo 2030 was perfect for that. So it was during a cabinet meeting after this trip, according to reports, that the president suffered a nosebleed <laughs> due to fatigue. But it was also the pressure as amid extreme political and social divide in the country that Pusan Expo is one thing that's wanted by both aisles, uh, both sides of the aisle. Mm. Well, although Pusan, uh, relative to the other two uh, cities, mm-hmm. we haven't put in as much budget as we could mm-hmm. in the promotion mm-hmm. of Pusan, but then we definitely do have our own unique characteristics, such as Pusan being one of the top 10 world ports. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and we really have seen an increase in the soft power of mm-hmm. the country as well. So True. really, fingers crossed. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. All right. So moving on, more than a dozen international human rights groups have Mm -hmm. jointly called for voters for the 2030 World Expo to vote against Saudi Arabia's bid due to the country's poor human rights record. Now, Hannah, tell us more. Sure. Now, in an open letter to the BIE, the World Expo organizer, 15 rights groups, including Democracy for the Arab World Now, the European Saudi Organization for Human Rights, Freedom House, and the Human Rights Foundation said BIE member states should vote against Saudi's candidacy during the voting next week. The groups said Saudi Arabia routinely commit human rights abuses such as arbitrary detention, target women's rights activists, and violation of freedom of expression, and that hosting the expo will serve as a cover-up for systematic human rights abuses. Now, Saudi Arabia's capital city Riyadh is in a three-way race against Busan and Rome to host the expo. All right, vote for Busan, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> please. <laughs> All right, so moving on to some diplomacy matters. The top diplomats of South Korea, China, and Japan will hold trilateral talks in the southeastern port city of Busan this weekend, Sunday, that is, a gathering expected to focus on preparations to resume the long-suspended summit of these three neighbors. Now, tell us more, Sung-yeon. Sure, Foreign Minister Park Jin will meet with Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi and 
Japanese Foreign Minister Yoko Kamikawa on Sunday for comprehensive discussions on how to strengthen uh, trilateral cooperation and other regional and global concerns. So Foreign Ministers Wang and Kamikawa will arrive in Busan on Saturday. Park will hold separate bilateral meetings with Wang and Kamikawa on Sunday before inviting the two ministers to a luncheon meeting. Following the luncheon, the three-way talks will take place. And after a nearly four-year break, the ministerial talks provide hope for the revival of the trilateral summit between the presidents of the three neighbors in Northeast Asia. So as the current rotating chair, Seoul has been pushing to host a summit before the end of this year. Right. So the last trilateral summit was held in December 2019, four years ago in Chengdu, yes. China's southwestern city, right? Right. Uh, talks have not been held due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the worsening bilateral relations between Seoul and Tokyo over the issue of compensating Korean victims of forced labor during Japan- Japanese colonial rule, rule of the Korean Peninsula. And after South Korea declared in March that it will compensate the Korean victims on its own without requesting assistance from Japanese corporations, talks of restarting the summit gained traction amid a sharp improvement in Seoul-Tokyo relations. Now, the minister's talks also came amid a rise in tensions after the North placed a military reconnaissance satellite into orbit Tuesday a success believed to have been achieved with Russia's help. So the North's uh, latest provocation, as well as the growing military ties between Pyongyang and Moscow, are expected to be a key agenda item at Sunday's talks. Also, the three parties will also likely address measures to foster three-way cooperation in areas like as uh, sustainability and climate change, science and digital technologies, health and aging societies, and people-to-people exchanges as well. Uh, not to mention the quote-unquote uh, comfort women issue that Hana will cover mm-hmm. further. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, speaking of comfort women, mm-hmm. an appeals court has ordered the Japanese government to compensate the victims of the comfort women or Japanese wartime sex slaves mm-hmm. for 200 million won each in the second round of damages they filed in South Korean courts. And Hannah, you have more on this. Yes. So the court overturned the first trial court's ruling on the grounds that Japan as a sovereign nation is exempt from the jurisdiction of other countries. Now, Lee Young soo who filed the lawsuit welcomed the decision with cheers. And on Thursday, the Seoul High Court ruled that it uh, it canceled the first trial judgment and granted the plaintiff's claim in full in an appeal of a damage lawsuit brought by 16 people, including Lee Yong-soo and the bereaved families of the late Kwak Yenam and Kim Bok-tong against the Japanese government. Now, the court also ruled that the Japanese government should bear the cost of the lawsuit. And a dismissal is a decision to dismiss a case without prejudice is because it fails to meet the requirements for a lawsuit, meaning that the trial court erred in its decision. And under customary international law, it is appropriate to recognize the jurisdiction of the Korean courts over the defendant Japanese government. This is what the tribunal ruled, adding that the defendant's wrongful acts in the mobilization of comfort women at that time should be recognized and reasonable compensation should be paid. Now, the victims of these cases were forced to engage in unwanted sexual activity with dozens of Japanese soldiers on a daily basis, while their minimum freedoms were suppressed, resulting in countless 
injuries, pregnancies and deaths, as well as damage that left them unable to adapt to normal categories of social life even after the end of the war. Now, the defendant's uh, behavior constitutes an illegal act under the Korean Civil Code, and it is reasonable to conclude that the amount of compensation for each victim shall exceed the 200 million won each claimed by the plaintiffs in this case. Now, Lee Yong-soo, who came to court in a wheelchair, shouted cheers with open arms and shed tears as she left the courtroom after the sentencing. Mm. Well, uh, related to the same issue, Yomi Uri Shimbun, Japan's largest conservative daily newspaper, reported that Korean courts have frequently issued rulings that appear to be in line with Korean public opinion, uh, which is rather strict to Japan, and that there are concerns that the Korean court's decision could cloud Korea-Japan historical issues once more, and this uh, can also damage the relation again. So, Seungyeon, how are other Japanese media's reaction to the ruling? Uh, so, Asahi Shimbun, a rather progressive daily newspaper, analyzed that the Japanese government believes that all compensation issues during the Japanese colonial period were resolved with a 1965 Korea-Japan Claims Agreement. And Japan has said all issues stemming from its colonization of the Korean peninsula were settled completely and finally under a 1965 bilateral agreement and that an accord reached by the two countries in 2015 finally and irreversibly resolved the comfort women issue. Also, Foreign Minister Yoko Kamikawa said in a statement that the judgment is quote-unquote extremely regrettable and absolutely unacceptable, urging South Korea to immediately take appropriate measures to remedy the status of its breaches of international law on its own responsibility as a country. And according to Japanese government spokesperson, Chief Cabinet Secretary Hirokazu Matsuno, the ruling clearly ran counter to international law and the agreement between the governments of Korea and Japan. Uh, Minister Matsuno emphasized that Jap Japan will continue to press uh, Korea to take quote-unquote appropriate measures. Mm. I really hope that the political relationship between the two countries and these historical issues that involve individual victims could mm -hmm. be separated. But I guess it's just too complicated uh, to do that. Right. right. And uh, moving on, the Korean Central News Agency reported on Thursday that sa North Korean leader Kim Jong-un said that having military reconnaissance satellite is, quote unquote, a rightful exercise of self-defense that cannot be compromised and cannot be stopped for a moment. Now, Hannah, tell us more. Sure. Now, Kim made the announcement while encouraging scientists, technicians, um, executives, and others during a visit to the Korean Committee for Space Technology, which successfully launched a carrier rocket carrying the military reconnaissance satellite Cholliman-1 after three trials following failures in May and August. Now, Kim said the new carrier rocket soared, heralding a new era of space power in the DPRK, calling it a marvelous event that deployed a reconnaissance satellite as a space watchdog and a powerful crosshair to keep the hostile powers in constant military prayer and alignment. Now, he added that the success of the launch of the reconnaissance satellite has dramatically increased the war deterrence of the DPRK and said, let's work even harder to achieve the immediate and prospective goals of building aerospace reconnaissance sat uh, capabilities set forth by our party. Now, Kim's goal appears to be to launch more reconnaissance satellites 
States and North Korea announced in the early morning hours of the 22nd that it had successfully launched a reconnaissance satellite overnight on the 21st and said it would launch several more satellites in the near future. Now, Kim took his daughter Chue with him on the encouraging visit, and this is the first time that North Korean state media has referred to um, a figure named Liu Sang-un as the head of the country's aerospace technology department, which is believed to have been overseeing the uh, satellite development program. Now, in December 2012, there was also a figure named Liu Sang-un, who was included in a list of 100 North Koreans who were awarded the title of hero for their role in the successful launch of the Gwangbyeongsong 3 and 2 in North Korea, and appeared to be the same person. Now, this is the only time Liu has been mentioned in North Korean media in the past. Well, Kim also met with uh, officials from the Korean Committee for Space Technology, as well as members of the Ad Hoc Steering Committee for Launching Satellites, which led the Reconnaissance Satellite Launch Project. This committee is the organization that Kim announced in April as having completed the construction of the first military reconnaissance satellite and is staffed by executives from major universities and uh, research institutes and has been ordered to ensure the launch of a reconnaissance satellite in the planned time frame. Right. So it was also confirmed that the reconnaissance satellite Balikyong-1 mm-hmm. launched by North Korea is moving at a high speed, circling the Earth 15 times a day. Now, the actual operation of this reconnaissance satellite is expected to determine the success of this particular launch. And you have more on this, Sunyang. Sure. Uh, the Balikyong-1 launched by North Korea on Tuesday was found to appear in the skies near the Korean Peninsula at least twice a day. So N2YO, a real-time satellite tracking website, has been dis- disclosing the location information of Maligan 1 since Thursday based on information collected by the U.S. Space Force. So according to the report, Maligan 1 circles the Earth in a long elliptical orbit at an altitude of about 507 kilometers. And uh, the speed was measured at 7.61 kilometer, uh, kilometer per second. This means that it takes 94.7 minutes for Maligan 1 to circle, circle the Earth once, and it can go around 15 times a day. And as of 2.26 a.m. Friday Korea time, Maligan 1 passed uh, over Los Angeles even. Uh, so if uh, current speeds are to be maintained, Maligan 1 will appear above the Korean Peninsula two to four times every day. And in fact, satellite tracking websites, including N2YO, predicted that Maligang 1 would pass over the skies near the Korean Peninsula a total of three times at 10.15 a.m., 9.47 p.m., and 11.20 p.m. on Friday. Uh, likewise, Maligang 1 is scheduled to pass over the Korean Peninsula uh, two and three times on the 25th and 26th, respectively, and four times on the 27th. Hmm. Well, earlier it's been reported that a satellite catalog number, uh, as well as a satellite identification number, were assigned to Balikyong-1, uh, citing uh, space-track.org, which is a website. A satellite tracking uh, website, like I said, of the 18th Space Defense Squadron of the U.S. Space Force. Right. 
considering that official numbers are assigned uh, to the satellites rotating in Earth uh, orbit, it can be inter- interpreted that uh, Maligon 1 has landed in uh, Earth, Earth's orbit. In addition, satellite tracking websites also showed uh, footages of the Maligon 1, leaving no doubt that it had entered the Earth's uh, orbit. However, this does not mean that Maligon 1 is operating successfully. This is because smooth connection between the satellite and the ground station, as well as successful reception of images and video data taken by the satellite, can indicate whether a reconnaissance satellite is operating successfully. So as a result, unless North Korea releases photographs taken by Maligon 1, the outside world will, will not know whether the launch was successful or not. So previously on Wednesday, North Korea's official Korean Central News Agency declared that Maligon will commence a formal uh, recon- reconnaissance mission on the 1st of uh, December. The news agency further said that at uh, 9.21 a.m. on Wednesday, Chairman Kim Jong-un examined aerospace images of the U.S. Air Force Base Anderson in Guam acquired from Maligon 1. Hmm. Well, I'm not an expert of uh, space or defense. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> right. but None, then, of <laughs> None of us are. But hearing from all these reports mm-hmm. and also the fact that there could have been a collaboration with Russian experts yes. mm-hmm. really worries me because their technology in space and defense will only get better. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they're already seeing more success rates, higher success rates, and they're becoming more sophisticated. And it really seems like it's a matter of time since we see right. more advanced mm-hmm. technologies coming from North Korea, which is really worrisome for the whole international community. Mm-hmm. Now, moving on, according to the Prime Minister's office on Thursday, Prime Minister Han attended the G20 video summit mm-hmm. the previous day to review this year's achievements as well as to discuss the direction of cooperation moving forward. Now, Hannah, fill us in. All right. Now, the video conference was a, a special initiative proposed by Prime Minister Modi of India, the host country, at the G20 summit in New Delhi, India, in September. In addition to the 21 G20 members, nine invitees, including Nigeria and the Netherlands, and representatives of 11 international organizations, including the United Nations, the uh, ILO, and the IMF, participated. Now, Prime Minister Han said the G20 demonstrated a spirit of solidarity by agreeing to concrete actions to realize sustainable growth at the New Delhi summit in September, even in the face of global economic uncertainty, climate change, and geopolitical conflicts. He also cited that increased financing for uh, climate and development, efforts to establish international governance for artificial intelligence, and unity to restore peace as key outcomes of this year's G20. And based on this, the G20's top three priorities for cooperation include reforming multilateral development banks, or MDBs, promoting carbon-free energy, and establishing governance for AI. Han also said the reform process must be uh, accelerated, including redefining the objectives of the MDBs to effectively respond to various global challenges, such as the pandemic, food security, and climate change, pledging South Korea's constructive role as co-chair of the G20 international financial system. He added that the Carbon Free Alliance, launched in October, will foster international innovation and collaboration in carbon-free 
battery technologies and help address the gaps between countries, emphasizing the spread of carbon-free energy as key to achieving net zero and that there is a need for international governance arrangements to address risks without stifling the development of AI. And he also pledged that South Korea will take the lead in discussions on AI governance, including hosting the AI Global Forum and AI Safety Mini-Summit next year. All right, let's move on to Israel and Hamas news, yet on a rather brighter note this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Qatar announced that a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas will begin Friday at 7 a.m. local time, uh, with Hamas releasing 13 civilian hostages, this including women and children as well, hours later. And you have more on this, Hyun. Sure. The temporary four-day ceasefire is the first since the war began with Hamas' surprise (laughs) attack on Israel on the 7th of October. So following the release of 13 hostages, more will be uh, released in the next four days with a total of 50 hostages freed over the course of four days, uh, while Palestinian captives are also being uh, released in waves. And according to Qatari official, the initial group of freed hostages will comprise members of the same families that were released together. Uh, Now, uh, Israel's uh, defense minister has vowed to continue the fight, quote-unquote, forcefully, after the brief uh, truce, saying he expected at least two months of the battle. Uh, the Israeli military also claims that uh, he they have uh, detained the head of Gaza's main hospital, Al-Shifa, on suspicion of serving as a Hamas command as center. However, the group and hospital officials deny that charge. All right. I really hope that we could see more release of these uh, hostages. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can really imagine. I I mean, I can't imagine um, them, the hostages, going back to their families after being held for days and days. Uh, Anyway, so the conflict between Israel and Lebanese uh, militant group Hezbollah has intensified, Mm -hmm. even as a ceasefire between Israel and a Palestinian militant group Hamas is nearing completion. Uh, Hannah, tell us the latest. Sure. Now, according to reports from the AP and AFP, among others, Hezbollah said it carried out more than 20 attacks on Israel, uh, Israeli positions that day, inflicting casualties. And as part of this, Hezbollah fired a Katusha rocket 48 at a military base in Beit Zaytim near the northern Israeli town of Safed. Now, it was the largest rocket attack on Israel by Hezbollah since October 7th. And in another attack, Hezbollah claimed to have fired an anti-tank missile at a house in Manara Kibbutz, which is a collective farm, killing four Israeli soldiers inside. Now, in response to the shelling, the Israeli military said it mobilized fighter jets and helicopters to hit terrorist infrastructure belonging to Hezbollah, including rocket launch sites. Now, Lebanese state news agency NNA also reported that Israeli forces bombed several locations in southern Lebanon. Now, the Israeli military had also carried out airstrikes on Beit Yahoon in uh, southern Lebanon the previous day, killing seven people, including elite Hezbollah fighters. Now, among the dead were five elite Hezbollah fighters. And following the announcement of a temporary ceasefire agreement between Israel and Hamas on the 22nd, Hezbollah also announced that it would cease fire, but clashes appear to be escalating. Israel and Hamas agreed 
agreed to a temporary ceasefire and a hostage and prisoner swap and to halt fighting for four days beginning at 7 a.m. on Friday, the 24th. Now, Iranian-backed Hezbollah has been engaging in a de facto common front with Hamas, sporadically clashing with Israeli forces in northern Israel since Hamas's surprise attack on Israel on October 7th. Now, AFP reported that at least 109 people have been killed in Lebanon in fighting between Israel and Hezbollah. Most of those killed were Hezbollah fighters, but 14 civilians, including three journalists, were also among the dead. On the Israeli side, six soldiers and three civilians were killed, authorities said. Right. Well, recently I watched this Korean uh, movie. Mm-hmm. I forgot the title, but <laughs> it's about um, saving this hostage. Mm-hmm. He was a diplomat who's been held hostage mm-hmm. uh, for about, I think it was Lebanon, uh, but it's I based on a true story. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's on one of the streaming, streaming sites, mm-hmm. and uh, it was about rescuing this diplomat who was held hostage mm-hmm. for about two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they depicted the whole two years of this hostage as well as the other diplomats who mm-hmm. were really trying hard to mm-hmm. save this man who actually sent some secret coded messages that only the Korean diplomats know. Mm-hmm. So he was able to reach out to the Korean uh, foreign ministry mm-hmm. and he asked them to rescue him because he was alive. But mm-hmm. the media had reported that he could be dead because nothing was known about him. But mm-hmm. anyhow... And so, after all those years, right? This yes. Two yeah, years. After two after years. Two years he was alive and I'm mentioning this uh, personal story of mine Mm. like me watching this movie because Mm -hmm. I saw the whole depiction of Mm -hmm. the hostage how how he was really afraid even Mm -hmm. when he was uh, rescued by Mm -hmm. this other diplomat he was so scared to Mm -hmm. even watch or look at that person Mm -hmm. because he's been in the dark for so long he was very Mm -hmm. traumatized Mm -hmm. he couldn't trust anyone Mm -hmm. and I could imagine just by looking at those Mm -hmm. uh, these types of movies how scary and Mm -hmm. traumatizing it would be for all these hostages. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, I really do hope that all the other hostages do get released as soon as possible, not just because of the ceasefire, Mm -hmm. but I do really hope to see the uh, war coming to an end as well. Well, let's talk more about the uh, Israel-Hamas issue. They've agreed to a four-day ceasefire, like I said, like we said, and captive release with the world community calling for the ceasefire to be extended. I mean, four days is just too short. Uh, Despite the pressure, Israel said it will continue to fight until Hamas is defeated. Now, tell us more, Sunyan. Sure. So Israel's allies, including the United States, emphasize Israel's right to security and self-defense in principle, but weighing on preventing civilian disasters in Gaza. And according to multiple reports, foreign ministers of Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and Egypt visited the UK and France one after another and met with French President Emmanuel Macron and British uh, Foreign Minister David McCameron. So they emphasized that the ceasefire should be extended at the first step in resolving the Israel-Palestinian conflict. And during a press conference in London, Arab foreign ministers underlined that the aid to Gaza, where a humanitarian tragedy tragedy is unfolding, should continue regardless of the release of hostages. And Saudi Foreign Minister Faisal bin Farhan al-Saud said the increase in humanitarian access must be maintained and strengthened. 
adding that uh, there should be no reduction in humanitarian relief based on the release of additional hostages. Uh, the minister also said that it is absolutely unaccept unacceptable to punish civilians in Gaza by holding them uh, hostages. Also, Ayman Safadi, uh, Jordan's foreign minister, advocated for an end to the Israel-Palestinian conflict, saying that it must be a plan with a timetable, an endpoint, an implementation system, and a guarantee uh, supported by the world and uh, also led by the United States. Right. So President Macron, who greeted these ministers in Paris, stated that the temporary ceasefire deal should be expanded and that efforts should be made to progress toward a permanent ceasefire. Right. Uh, international charity and human rights organizations have also called for an extension of the ceasefire period, uh, claiming that the four-day ceasefire is insufficient to offer adequate humanitarian help. While UNICEF's executive director, Catherine Russell, is planning for quick humanitarian efforts during the ceasefire agreement. She reminded the U UN Security Council that the ceasefire time is too short to satisfy the needs of Palestinians. Also, according to Jason Lee, director of Save the Children's Palestinian Office, the ceasefire agreement is a step in the right direction but cannot replace a comprehensive ceasefire and that what Gaza needs now is a ceasefire from an operational and safety standpoint. And uh, also Amnesty International USA uh, Executive Director Paul O'Brien also stated that a temporary truce is insufficient, especially in terms of human rights. So uh, we have news of the uh, the news of the temporary ceasefire agreement is claimed to be causing uh, some hope and relief within uh, the Gaza Strip. But there is also a mixed attitude of fear because the battle is not ended. However, there is much skepticism not only outside Israel but also within Israel. Uh, as to how long the ceasefire will last. Mm. Now, uh, security analysts believe that uh, this ceasefire will be extended until all hostages are released. Right. Sorry to cut you off there, but yeah. I remember the title of the movie that I watched <laughs> because I really want you to watch it just mm -hmm. to oh, just uh, really understand. Feel, yeah, mm -hmm. to be more empathetic of mm -hmm. the situation there and the individual victims mm -hmm. who are held hostage. It's called unofficial operation. Oh. So oh, people in Korean. Oh. So was yeah. there like Hwang Jong Min? No, 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 no. It's not Hwang Jong It's Chu Ji uh, and it's ha oh, not oh, right. but yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I could really envision the whole mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. and how traumatic mm -hmm. it could be for individual hostages. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I caught you there, Sinyang, but can you tell us more about uh, what the foreign policy, the, uh, the Amer American diplomatic magazine said regarding this whole situation? Uh, so foreign policy said one of the consequence, uh, consequences of this arrangement is that the Israeli government may face additional pressure to guarantee the release of the remaining captives. And some experts uh, expect that governments, especially those whose citizens are being held captive, will utilize this deal to pressure Israel to keep the truce in place. However, uh, foreign policy pointed out that a significant Western governments with the ability to influence Israel are not routinely putting pressure on a ceasefire. 
and uh, major countries such as United States and Europe have expressed concern about the situation in Gaza, but they have remained committed to protecting Israel's security and also the right to self-defense. So Israel sees uh, a comprehensive Hamas dismantlement as ensuring its security or establishing its right to self-defense. Right. I really want to ask both of you, how do you think we can reach a permanent ceasefire? But since you're not experts, (laughs) I don't think it's a very easy question to answer. Mm -hmm. But as an individual, uh, and as you guys are also Mm -hmm. individuals who are reporting Mm -hmm. on this news constantly... For me personally, I feel kind of helpless Mm -hmm. not being able to do anything about the situation, but Mm -hmm. just report on it. But recently I saw this uh, post on social media Mm -hmm. telling people what individuals like us can do in order Mm -hmm. to really contribute to this issue Mm -hmm. and the resolution of this issue. And one of them was to really know about the history behind why the conflict is going on. Mm -hmm. I tried to research on Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. because I've been like doing so many reports Mm -hmm. on the Israel Hamas conflict, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's too long. It's really it's, long. Yeah, it's like ex- extensive, right. like uh, 20, 30 year long uh, right, right. conflict. It's that a is, long yeah. history. Mm-hmm. So, but then just knowing about it mm-hmm. will make you more aware of the whole mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. And if you want to act a little more, be active about it, mm-hmm. you can make donations. Oh, yes, right. to make help. donations to help the people mm-hmm. who like have been humanitarian. displaced. Yes, humanitarian mm-hmm. aid, etc. So don't feel too helpless <laughs> because there are some ways mm-hmm. you could really be involved in the matter and mm-hmm. let people know and be aware of the situation mm-hmm. a sure. lot more as well. Sure. All Thank right. You. So that's it for mm-hmm. today. Thank you once again for bringing in those headlines for us, uh, Seungyeon and Hana. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Chihi. Thank you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.